0: Here we go on this Rumination Tuesday, August the 25th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Pastor Mark Smith is on assignment today. The hymn we're going to analyze, Hail Thou Once, Despised Jesus. And we're gonna talk a little bit about, well, no, we're not. We were gonna talk about the author, etc. but this is one of those hymns that we're really not sure who wrote it. There are some individuals who believe that a man named John Bakewell died in 1819, a fervent Wesleyan evangelist thought to have penned it. But the fact of the matter is that there seems to be no basis for this assumption. It first appeared in a 72-page track entitled, A Collection of Hymns Addressed to the Holy, Holy, Holy Triune God in the Person of Christ Jesus, Our Mediator and Advocate. And its authorship remains a matter of some dispute. Uh, Originally, there were only two stanzas, and those two stanzas uh, do appear in the LSB, which is the official publication of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The hymn appeared also in four standards in Martin Madden's collection of Psalms and hymns extracted from various authors. And that was published in London, England in 1760. And part of it written was thought to be written by Martin Madden. So what we have here is a hymn that's really interesting in concern with, we're not sure who the author was, but it's a hymn that's well received. So without further ado, we're going to take a look at the various stanzas. We played, uh, or you just heard, Stanzas one, two, and four. Hail thou once despised Jesus. Mark Smith isn't with us today. He's on assignment, so I'm by myself. So without further ado, let me read the first stanza. Hail thou once despised Jesus. Hail thou Galilean king. Thou didst suffer to release us, thou didst free salvation bring. Hail thou universal savior, bearer of our sin and shame. By thy merit we find favor, life is given through thy name. Boy, that is a great hymn, particularly for our day, when so many people are under the impression that they are saved by their own merit. And it's so clear that Jesus is saying, no, we find favor through his merit. Now, the first stanza is kind of about the humiliation of Jesus Christ. We uh, made that distinction on Friday The distinction between his humiliation coming from that he humbled himself uh, did not make full use of his divine attributes at all times and he did things and things happened to him that would never happen to God he suffered he died I mean God doesn't die but in Christ Jesus becoming a human being, he did die on that cross. He was also despised. The first line shows it, Hail thou Galilean king. Galilee wasn't considered to be that important a place, and neither was Nazareth, where he grew up. And yet he is the king of the world from Galilee. Without further ado, the hymn begins to help us understand why he is king. Thou didst suffer to release us, thou didst free salvation bring. What does that mean? That He suffered to release us. Well, if you remember, the disciples of John the baptizer came to Jesus. How do we know you're the true Messiah? And Jesus said, well, the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the lame walk, the dead rise. In other words, if you take a look back at Isaiah, he talks about the coming of the Messiah who will release us and redeem us Uh, the word redeem by the way referred to the money given to free a slave from slavery jesus did not buy us with gold or silver as the epistles say but with his holy precious blood with his innocent suffering and death so from what did he release us We were conceived and born in the kingdom of Satan. That is why it is so important to baptize infants, because that releases them from the kingdom of Satan and makes them children of God in the kingdom of the Holy Christian Church. Uh, Last week at one of the congregations I'm helping out with, we baptized two young people. And when I met with them, uh, their home teaching had done quite a bit in telling them about uh, baptism, etc. And by the way, this was done by individuals, parents, who were not Lutheran. But the children therefore desired to be baptized. And during the rite of baptism, I asked them the question Do you desire to be baptized? And both of the youngsters said yes, and we baptized them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, they were released from hell in the sense that when they die, they will now be going to heaven. Now, I did make the point in the sermon that in questioning them, they did believe in Jesus Christ. So, had they died before their baptism, I could assure the parents they would be in heaven through their faith. But what baptism now gives them is an assurance apart from their faith and apart from their works that they are saved. They can now be sure because Jesus gives promises. In fact, one of the great promises is from Peter's sermon in Pentecost. I mention this a lot, where the people are really afraid because they killed the Messiah. What can we do? Peter tells them to be baptized. That's a work of God. And they will receive the gifts of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, stanza one goes on. Thou didst free salvation bring. There was an Old Testament text not long ago read on Sunday where it talked about come and buy milk without price. Come and buy food without money. And what God was doing through the prophet is showing the importance of salvation by grace which means God's attitude towards you, that he does not give you what you deserve, he's merciful and gives you instead what you don't deserve, forgiveness of sins. Now, stanza one goes on, hail thou universal savior, bearer of our sin and shame. That's wonderful because that shows that Jesus died universally for every sinner. Now, Calvin and many of the reform believe in what we call double predestination, that God makes a decision who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. So once he decides who's going to hell, it doesn't matter whether you're baptized or not, you're still going to hell. And that is a terrible teaching not found in Holy Scripture. We believe that God is the universal Savior. We can say to anybody on earth, your sins have been forgiven. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they receive that forgiveness through faith. Why? As the hymn goes on, Jesus is the bearer of our sin and shame. By thy merit, we find favor. Life is given through thy name. And the name Jesus, kind of meaning he saves us, is what Gabriel told Mary would be his name. And he is the savior of the world. So we don't tell people what they need to do in order to be saved, because there's nothing they can do to be saved. We tell them about the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and they are saved when they trust those promises. Stanza two, Paschal Lamb by God appointed, all our sins on thee were laid, by almighty love anointed, Thou hast full atonement made. All thy people are forgiven through the virtue of thy blood. Opened is the gate of heaven. Reconciled are we with God. Boy, you could do about 10 sermons on that stanza. Paschal lamb, the word paschal is just another way of saying Passover lamb by God appointed. Remember the Passover lamb. Once it was sacrificed, the blood was put over the doorway, and the angel of death bypassed those houses where the blood was. Where the blood was not, then the oldest in the house, either human being or animal, died, including Pharaoh's son. Then all our sins on thee were laid, not only your past sins, Not only your present sins, but also all your future sins. They were laid on Jesus. He became sin for you by almighty love anointed. Now, when did that occur? I believe that occurred at the baptism of Jesus by John the baptizer, where the father saw Jesus being baptized in a baptism of repentance and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Thou hast full atonement made. Now, the word atonement just kind of divided up at one meant. In other words, where we were divided from God the Father by our sinful condition, Jesus, by dying for your sin, paying the price that should have been yours, there is now atonement made between you, the believer, and God, the Father. All thy people are forgiven through the virtue of thy blood. Opened is the gate of heaven. Reconciled are we with God. Now, what verse do you think I would use that because of the blood of Christ on the cross, heaven is opened? Well, I I would use the statement of the thief who came to faith. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, today, you will be with me in paradise. And on that Good Friday, both Jesus as a human being His spirit and the spirit of the thief, both of them were in heaven. And we celebrate on Easter the resurrection of his body. So it is through the merit of Christ and not our merit that that occurs. Stanza three, Jesus hail, enthroned in glory, there forever to abide. All the heavenly hosts adore thee, seated at thy father's side. Therefore, sinners, thou art pleading. There thou dost our place prepare, ever for us interceding, till in glory we appear. Now, in the hymnal I'm using, at the bottom, they usually put verses. And this one has one, two, three, three, four. Four stanzas from Isaiah, 1 Peter, Ephesians, and Revelation. I've been really giving serious thought of going through the hymns and writing down Bible verses, because this one really has about 25 Bible verses. Jesus enthroned in glory. When did that occur? Whereas the first stanza talks about the humiliation of Jesus. The second talks about his crucifixion and resurrection. The third stanza talks about his ascension into heaven. And it says, all the heavenly hosts adore thee. Go to my favorite chapter in the Bible, Revelation chapter five, and you will see that not only the angels, But all believers are adoring Jesus because he is seated at thy Father's side. Therefore, sinners, thou art pleading. So Jesus is continuing to be our advocate that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we may not know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and provides them with a perfection. That when they arrive at the right hand of God, they are always answered for our good, and also Jesus said, "I go to prepare a place for you," and that's what the stanza says. There thou dost our place prepare, ever for us interceding, till in glory we appear. See the devil is best understood as a prosecuting attorney. Jesus is best understood as our defense attorney. So while the devil throws at us all our sins, Jesus throws at us all our forgiveness. Stanza four. Worship, honor, power, and blessing. Thou art worthy to receive highest praises without ceasing right it is for us to give help ye bright angelic spirits all you noblest anthems raise help to sing our savior's merits help to chant emmanuel's praise now once more there's a lot in this particular last stanza. But that's why we have what's called divine worship. Divine worship is not conducted by the pastor. Divine worship is conducted by Jesus himself. Remember, when your sins are forgiven, the pastor makes clear it's not his words that do the forgiveness but his repeating of the words of Jesus in his stead and by his command, I forgive you all your sins. When we did the baptism last week of the two youngsters, it wasn't Jesus visibly standing there, but it was Jesus audibly being heard as we spoke the words he tells us from Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. When the pastor preaches a proper sermon, it's simply reminding you what Jesus has done for you and said for you from Holy Scripture. It's very important to understand that Jesus does not forgive sins apart from his Holy Word. You you can't invite Christ into your heart, thinking thereby your sins are going to be forgiven because of your invitation. That would be a good work you're doing. No. Jesus comes to you, and if you ever had the desire to invite Christ into your heart, guess what? He's already there because you would not even have the desire. And so... We ask help from the angelic spirits. It's clear from the Bible that certain angels are connected to human beings uh, to help them. I, I remember that drawing of a storm and a flood and two little children are walking across a bridge that's dangerous, but an angel is there to make sure they get across okay. That's the angelic spirits. All your noblest anthems raise. Help to sing our Savior's merits. Now this is really important. We're not singing our merits. We're singing our Savior's merits. I'm receiving emails from individuals whose pastors are using sermons to really teach the law in a way that gives the impression that that's how you can please God and therefore be saved. No, you're already pleased with God. The last phrase is critical. Help to chant Emmanuel's praise. You notice what the hymn refers to Jesus as? Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us so yes he is at the right hand of God but he is also with you in baptism in the absolution in the hymns you sing in the sermons you hear in the Lord's Supper you receive what a wonderful gift and we'll continue talking about that gift on tomorrow's long gospel when we analyze another part of cfw walther's law and gospel i'm tom baker till then god bless you